I was thinking about that song as we were playing it. God said, I'll give you everything, everything you need. Not everything we want, but everything we need. Come on, amen. amen. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 17. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Romans chapter 8, I mean Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 17. I have to watch my eyes up here. If I say 8, 10, I have to double check myself because, you know, I got dyslexia, so I see everything backwards. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 17. Skip, can you turn me up a little, man? Remind you guys that we have the concert coming up in Millwoods. This will be our second festival. Our first one was, was last year on the sixth month. I think it was 629. This year we're going to have it at our house. So it's uh, 711. Can y'all say 711? Got a group from uh, Houston, Texas called uh, Eden Effect. Um, really good band. Um, also, Emily's going to sing about four songs at the intro there and then We'll probably come on around 7.30. And uh, been spent a lot of hours in the studio, and it sounds, it's just amazing how well it sounds. I'm just proud of this album. It's going to be a great, great album. If you got your Bibles, 10 of Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 17. If you have your place, say amen. The apostles, Paul said, but, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Verse 9, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Verse 16 says, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed our message. Verse 17 of the King James Version. I just want to use that King James Version right here. So then, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, I even stand here and I tremble before you knowing that that you have all power. You have all authority. 
you have all grace. Lord, I know that, that apart from you, Lord, I'm just a, a mess. But, Lord, with you I become a messenger. Hallelujah. And, Lord, I know that you're going to speak through me today, even though I have no, no confidence in my own ability today. I know that you're going to use me today for your glory. Lord, in order for that to happen, I need you to touch me now, even as we speak. And lay the anointing upon my mind, my heart, and my tongue. Father, I praise you for about what you're going to do and what you have already done in this church. Father, I thank you for the protection of your people. Lord, continue to show us favor in these days we live. Father, we thank you for who's here today, and we thank you for those who could not make it this morning. I just pray your blessings over both. Father, continue to show our, our offerings favoring. Lord, that we may be prosperous in all that we do, that we may share the gospel wherever we go. We love you, Christ. You are the word of God. And God's people said amen and amen. When I'm reading this text, the, the, the first thing that comes to me is that, that passage from John in the book of Revelation, which says, he, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. Everybody say, his name is. His name is the word of God. And so let's begin this morning with the title of our lesson, which is simply, simply this. Hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. In other words, what that means, that, that, that it's God and only God that gives us the grace today to actually hear the word of God and hear from the word of God. Are you with me yet? See, the Bible said that in 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, that, that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. See, the work of Christ is found in John 66 and 29. Jesus said the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Well, we know the Bible teaches us that God sent forth his word to heal and deliver. Christ is the word of God who came. The Bible says in John 3, 16 that, that God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son. He spoke his word into existence on this earth. Mary heard the word of God. She believed in the word of God and by her faith in the word of God, she conceived in her womb the word of God and the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Are you with me this morning? Because it may get a little deep for just a second. John, uh, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, we know this. For, 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 for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that, that, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Neighbor, I know you're listening to the Word of God, but did you hear from the Word of God? 
Jesus said in Mark 8, 18, Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Hallelujah. You know, as a preacher, over the years, it's, it's always exciting to me to, to find when God will drop me right in the middle of some chapter of the Bible. You know, a lot of times when we study the Bible, we read from one chapter to the next chapter. But, but it's interesting when God drops me right in the middle of a chapter. Because, because what this reminds me of is that the, the chapters and the verses and all the numbers in your Bible were not of God. That was put in there for you and I to know where we are by man. In other words, have you ever noticed that, that when you try to, to memorize the Word of God, Scriptures and stuff, that, that you can always recall the Word of God, but you fail to remember where the address was? Come on, amen. Am I alone? Oh, I know the Bible says it somewhere. I can't remember the chapter. I can't remember where it was, but I do remember the verse. That's simply because the, the anointing is on the Word of God and not the address. Now, we can remember John 3.16 because we've said it our entire life. But, but if I ask you what Numbers 23.19 says, you'd be like, I don't know. It says something, I'm sure. But God gave us the grace to have numbers so I can tell you to turn to a certain book or chapter. You can get right to it. But if you think about Jesus when, when he went back to his hometown and he stood to, to speak the word of God as he did in his custom, the Bible says that he found the place where it was written in the book of Isaiah. Come on, amen. In other words, he had to find the passage. He didn't have an address to go to it like we do. But anyway, I think it's exciting when God does this for us so we, we understand that it's, that it's God that's leading us to a text, especially when it's in the middle of nowhere. But, but God begins this morning by asking us a question. But what does it say? What does what say? What does the Word of God say? Now, last week we, we talked about making it our goals to please the Lord. That was our title, making it my goal to please the Lord. And I shared a scripture last week that told us that it was our responsibility to find out what it is that pleases the Lord. We looked in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. In other words, once again, God today is showing us that it's our responsibility, according to 2 Timothy 2.15, I believe it is, to, to study and show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, until you and I begin to study the scriptures, how are we going to be able to answer the question when someone says, well, what does it say? See, if you, if you don't know, that, that means you hadn't spent time in the Word. So we have, to, we have to equip ourselves to be ready to give an answer. The Bible says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone to ask you for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so in the process of studying the Word of God is when you begin to understand that, that, that verse 8 tells us that the Word of God is near us. Everybody say, the word is near me. The more you study, the more you find that God is very near you. Let's take it back to what John says. John 1 and 1. 
Y'all know this. In the beginning was the In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Joshua tells us in 1:5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So, so this tells us that the word of God is what? He is near us. See, the word of God is a spiritual manifestation of the anointing of God himself, the Trinity. So many times people try to separate God and his Trinity, and you cannot do that. Because when you have God, you have his word. When you have his word, you have Christ. When you have Christ, you have the Trinity. When you have the Trinity, you have the Spirit. All three are working together as a one, as a whole. There is one God manifested in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Bible tells us in Numbers 23 and 19 that God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Did he not promise a, a redeemer? And he fulfilled his word by becoming the word and coming down and redeeming mankind from the penalty of sin, death, hell, and the grave. Isaiah says, and, and so shall my word go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and the purpose for which I have sent it. God sent forth his word, the Christ, who came to save the world from death. Can I get an amen? And so his word is a reflection, an attribute of who he is. We cannot separate the three. And so where you have one, you have all three. And it's hard to get hold of that because we are simple-minded people, but, but spiritually we should understand that, that in the same way that, that water can be manifested in many, many ways. You can look at rain. You can look at snow. You can look at sleet. You can look at mist. You can look at fog. And no matter how it manifests itself, when you break it down, it comes down to one thing, water. Oh, I got you that time. Amen. It doesn't matter what it form it comes in, the Holy Spirit or the Son or the Father, when it all, it all comes down to one thing, one God. The Bible says there is one God. Come on, amen. Can I get an Amen. And so Jesus, he's teaching us, he tells us in John 14, 7 through 10. He said, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. He says, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even I, after I have been among you for such a long time, he says, anyone who has seen me has seen the what? The Father. He says, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Oh, hallelujah. I like what Paul says in Hebrews 1 and 3. He said that the Son, 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact, exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Ooh, the Godhead, the majesty in heaven. And so understand this morning, since I am a chosen vessel of God, an instrument that God is using, then, then actually it's not really me speaking today. But, but, but it's God speaking through me. Now, the flesh is going to mess up. I'm going to stumble and everything, but, but the, the stumble ain't God. That's me. But, but the mess up is, is, is what, what happens because I'm, I'm not very confident in my flesh. But regardless of how unconfident I am, the words will come forth. And they will do exactly what God sends them to do. And that is to change our lives, to change our directions, to help us get on the street called straight. Amen. And so you may not believe that God is speaking to me or through me, but here's what Jesus says in, in Luke 10, 16. He said, he who listens to you listens to me. And he who listens to me, I'm going to mess it up. I don't forgot the verse. He who listens to you listens to me, but he who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So, so I never really worry about who's going to receive the message or who's going to reject it. Because if you reject it, it's not me you're rejecting, but God who sent it. How did he send it? Through the word and by the word. Through the Holy Spirit, through the Father, through the Son. Come on, amen. Because when you have one, you have them all. But I'm talking about hearing by the word of God. Because the same grace he, he gives me today to teach the word is the same grace he gives you to understand and learn the word. In other words, just because I understand it, it means you can understand it as well because we have the same spirit living within us. And the more I come to know his word, the more I can come to know him personally. That's why we need to study because if we, if we study more, we come to understand what he loves, what he hates, what he desires, what he does not desire, what he wants from us and what he does not want from us. Because if it was our ways, we would think that we're still living under, under the Old Testament and we'd be still killing lambs and bulls and trying to offer a sacrifice unto God. He's not pleased with that. He's pleased with the only begotten Son who came and laid his life down as a sacrifice. That's pleasing to God. But if you don't study, how are you going to know that? Jesus tells us, he testifies to who he is and who the Father is and about you and I. John 14 and 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, see we don't just make that up that, that, that when you're saved that, that Christ comes and lives within you. That's not just made up. Scripture is teaching us that God will come and live within us. And, and so what I'm hearing in my spirit is this. D does that mean that when we leave this earth, does that mean that we, 
go and live in him? In other words, he's living in us down here, but when we leave here, does that mean do we go and live inside of him, in his heart? Maybe that's where heaven actually is, in the heart of God, because there's no darkness. Come on, that's just a thought that just came to me. I'm just wondering, maybe. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus said in John 14, 25 through 27, he said, All this I have spoken while with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Why? Because the word of God is in you, within you, within your grasp. How can you be fearful when the word of God said, if God be for me, who can be against me? Come on, amen. So we walk around in the confidence that, that I may not know everything about the Word, but I know the Word says He's in me. And if God is in me, I will not be fearful of anything, not even a corona. Is it corona? Amen. But here's what we got to understand. You can spend your entire life studying the Word of God like many people do. And no matter how hard you study, it does not mean you know Him. But see, there was a problem with the Pharisees. They, they thought they knew God. No, they knew everything about God, but they never knew God. How could that be? How could they study the Word of God and know it from A to Z, but never come to know God? Jesus said in, in John, he said in 539 and 40, he says, You, you diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. But these are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. In other words, the Word itself points to the cross. The Word itself points to the Christ who would die on the cross. The word of God points to the one who would go to the grave and come out of the grave on the third day according to scriptures. And because of the word does not return void, we can trust the word of God. We can't feel the word of God. We can't hardly grasp it physically, but spiritually we know we have him. And spiritually we know that we cannot lose with him because God does not lie. If he says, I've given you eternal life, you can trust it. You can take it to the bank. Have you ever thought to yourself, I know you have because I've seen it in your eyes a million times. Have you ever thought to yourself when I'm preaching, where in the world did pastor get that? Come on, amen. Be honest with me. Where did, wait a minute. We know... That he is an uneducated man. So how in the world does he know these revelations? Where did they come from? Did you know that they said the same thing about Peter and John who were fishermen? They said the same exact thing. Let's read this. John 5, 13, no, Acts 4, 13. The Bible says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, Everybody say unschooled. Unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with who? 
These men have been with Jesus. I don't know. Skip's behind me today. These men have been with Jesus. And so in the same exact way today, it's not me, it's not my power nor my, my might, but it's the, the word of God that's upon, upon my life. The scripture said that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness those who are bound in prison. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord of God is within me. The power of God is around us, anoint us, and fill in this room even as we speak because the Word of God is going forth. When the Word of God is being sent, the power is being manifested. But you can miss it. You can miss the power if you're not focused in faith and believing it's real. Two people can be sick. One have faith and one have no faith. Jesus went into his hometown and the Bible said that he could not do any miracles because of their lack of faith. Jesus. Wait a minute. The Son of God could not do miracles because of their lack of faith? In other words, it takes our faith in the Word of God to connect to what belongs to us. You can have a dead battery, but if it's not connected to the cable, it's not going to jump off. you got to get connected by faith. Once you place it on from the power source to the other battery, it will jump off. Unless, of course, you got a bad fuse. Come on, amen. Here's a bad fuse right here. Have you ever went to water your animals on the farm and you're walking out there all of a sudden your water hose is crimped? Hey, I got it turned on wide open. I'm just getting a drill. I'm like, no, I got to walk a mile back to find the crimp. Well, here's the crimp. The crimp is when we know the good we ought to do but do not do it, then we sin. When we sin on purpose and we know it's wrong and we do it anyway, we crimp our water hose. The power, the power's there. We got it turned on. God's turned on the water, but we can't receive it because we're crimped off in our sin. But the moment you confess that sin, whew, the gates open. Now, I don't know. Yeah, I know where that came from. I'm not going to say I don't know where that came from, but we know. And so Paul... He had no confidence in his own flesh. He was a very educated man, but nevertheless, he did not trust in what he knew. He trusted in who he did know. So he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 and 5. He said, I came to you in weakness and fear. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that men's faith would not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's Come on, amen. God don't want you to rest on me. He wants you to rest on Him. He says, lean not unto your own understanding. Come on, amen. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. But Paul tells us in verse 8, that is, that is the word of faith we proclaim. That is what? That's the message. 
We proclaim a message of faith. Last week we talked about faith from A to Z. We covered faith. And I surely I don't have to go back there again today. But let me just say this. If someone or anyone is preaching or teaching another way to God besides faith in the finished works of Christ, then they are not hearing from the Word of God. And there's a lot of that going on in our generation today. A lot of preachers preaching their own message, not the Word of God. So Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4 and 1 and 2, the Spirit, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow, and follow what? I didn't hear you. Deceiving spirits and doctrines taught by devils. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. Paul said in Galatians 1, 6 through 8, he said, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. He said, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are perverting the gospel of Christ. But he said, but even if I or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than what has been preached to you, what should we do? says that he shall be eternally condemned. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Angel of light. It's not surprising that any of his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness and their end will be what their actions deserve. So not everybody who says they are of the light are of the light because how can they preach unless they are called? We're going to get there in just a minute. So like it or not, if someone is teaching another way besides John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through. And so if they're teaching another way to Father, if they're teaching not the truth about Jesus, they're not teaching the real Jesus. They're preaching about a Jesus that does not exist. How could that be? It it, it happens. People believe in certain things of the Bible, but they don't believe the whole things of the Bible. So what they're doing, they're creating for themselves their own God, a God that does not even exist. In other words, if you just preach the love of God, the mercy of God, and the forgiveness of God, and all the beautiful things about God, but you don't preach the other side, His wrath, His anger, His judgment, then are you really preaching about the true God? No. You're preaching about some other God that does not exist. That's why here we preach the full gospel so we can understand the fullness of God, not just part of it, just a, a glimpse of it. No, we preach everything. Many people have made their own gods by creating for themselves a God that makes them feel comfortable. Yeah, my God, you hear him say, my God would forgive, my God do this, my God would do this, and my God would do that. Well, what God are we talking about? The God says, go ahead and practice saying I'm good with that. That's not our God. 
yeah, God will forgive you, but there's something called the God of being just. I've seen many times when God has forgiven me of my sin, but several weeks later I'm going, ooh, ah, what did I do? Come on, amen. My pain reminds me that once again I'm in the woodshed because I did something that was not pleasing to him. He forgave me, but even though I was forgiven, I still have consequences. The Bible says, do you not know that your sin will find you out? Thank you, brother. Paul said, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be some, somehow led astray from its sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He said, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, you received a different spirit from the spirit you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted. He said, you put up with it easily enough. In other words, when someone brings something that contradicts the word of God, don't listen to it, don't obey it, don't pay attention to it, run from it. Because that kind of gospel will get you in trouble. You need to find a shepherd that can hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They listen to my voice and another they will not follow. Because the Bible said a, a, a false preacher is like a blind man leading a blind man. And they both will fall into a pit. Can you imagine a blind man trying to lead you down the road? Come on. And that's what they're trying to do. They can't see because they're still blind themselves. So here, here's what verse 14 says. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, I got the ugliest feet in town. My daddy has some ugly feet. I think I got him beat. But, but contrary to what my feet look, my Bible says I got beautiful feet. So y'all never talk about my feet. Because you see, if you come against me, you come against God and his word. Oh, amen. So, Pastor, you got some beautiful toenails. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. But what he's talking about, the, the, the feet are those who, who walk with the truth. Come on, Amen. See, I don't know why someone's going to text me right here in the middle of... What do they think I'm going to be doing at 12-something, 11.30, texting me? That was mine, wasn't it? I heard it. Philippians 1, 15 through 17. It is true. It is true that some preach out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. How many preachers today do you think actually have been called by God to preach? Do you know the seminaries right now are filled with men and women who are who's intending to go preach the gospel? But out of all those people, how many do you think were actually called? Maybe, maybe 10 out of 100. But see, in their mindset, they're thinking, okay, I can, I can get the word of God in me. I can study and do this, and, and I'm going to get paid fifty dollars or $60,000 a year just working one day a week. Whew, sounds awesome. 
And I know you say, 50, 60, no, that's light. That's light. But, but these people get in their mindset that, that, that they, they can get rich off of preaching the gospel, and many men do. And that's a shame. Well, we're, not, we're not here to get rich. It's not about that. Now listen carefully. To a man who we know that the word of God came down and told him specifically. Because when you find a man who preaches the truth, his message will be simple and easy to understand. How many times have you ever listened to a preacher and you got to break out your dictionary? That's not of God. Because God is not the author of what? Confusion. Yeah, it may be sounding good. It may sound theologian. It sounds awesome. No, no, no. Paul was the most educated man in the Bible, but he spoke with simplicity so that everybody can understand him. He said that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. He makes it simple so that there's no excuse for anybody not to be saved. Now, the Word of God could be talking to you today, asking you, are you saved? Or do you have a form of godliness? I know you hear the word, but are you hearing the word saying to you personally that you need to be saved? Well, I'm saved. How are you sure that you're saved? Because we could be confused. We could be deceived. We could deceive ourselves, saying, I think I'm saved. I think I'm saved. I think I'm saved. No, no, no. You can't be I think I. You need to be I know I. Come on, Amen. I know I'm saved. Come on, amen. Because think I'm going to sink her, and Noah's going to float her. Come on, amen. Ooh, glory. I like that, Lord. Thank you. So he tells us in verse 11, he says, As the scripture says, anyone who trusts him and believes in him will never be put to shame. And so no matter what the world says to you, you had the truth in your hand that says right now, regardless of what they say about me, I will never be put to shame. When I stand before God, I don't have to worry about what men think of me because I'm not standing before men. I'm standing before the God who saved me. God sent his word. I trusted in the word. The word saved me. The word delivered me. And the word will allow me to go through to the other side. Because not only am I standing before the judge, but I have the attorney on my side who is the son of the judge. I can't lose. I win. But if you fail to believe in the word, to trust in the word for your redemption, then surely you will be put to shame. The Bible says, Psalms 25 and 3, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous and without excuse. Psalms 31 and 17. Let, let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in their grave. Now I'm going to close with this because I, I love the last two verses that we're going to share today. Verse 12 and 13. Paul said, there's no difference between Jews and Gentile, for the same Lord is Lord of all. Richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I wish I could draw something for you. We know who God's chosen people are. Who is that? The Jews? But, but we are not his chosen people. We are the Gentiles. But, but, but what we've got to understand 
in the eyes of God, there's no difference between the Jews and Gentile if you're in Christ. See, what makes the difference is even though Israel, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people are a natural branch, we are called the wild branch. Come on, get wild, wild branch. I was a wild branch, you were a wild branch, we were wild in the world. But God took the natural branch, he took the wild branch, which is you and I, and he grafted it into one tree called the cross. And because of that tree of life, not death, because of that tree, we become one. Because once it grows together, you can't separate the good from the wicked. And the wicked from the good, because God, in his power, he draws us all to be one. So in his eyes, there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no male or female. He's looking for one thing, the blood of Christ. Without the blood, there is no hope. Without the redemption of Christ, there's no hope. Unless you are born again, you have no hope because you have to be born into God for God to be born inside of you. So Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 13 through 16, but now in Christ, you have once, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of who? Blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made the two one. Who made the two, Jew and Gentile, made them one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with his command and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, in himself, one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this, in this one body to reconcile both of them and God through the cross by which we put to death their hostility. Now, you tell a Jewish person that, that, that you are the same in the eyes of God as he is, I don't know, you're going to have trouble. Because most of those guys don't really believe in the New Testament, right? But they are the Messianic Jewish. It's like the uh, Rabbi Schneider, the guy that we, we support in our church. He believes that you and I and him are the same in Christ. Even though they are the chosen people. But did you know that the majority of the chosen people deny him? While you and I who are nothing love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind? Now, which one would you choose? The one who hates you, one who denies you, who will not accept you, who will not receive you, or the one who loves you with all that they have? That's the ones I want in my family. And I'll take the Jewish people who like me just as well. Put you all in one. You're all my family. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Entering in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road which leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in there, thereat. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And only few there be that find it. The narrow way. The narrow way into heaven is Christ. The broad way is a highway that's, that's wide. I'm going to be good enough to please God. I'm going to live according to the law to please God. You cannot live according to the law to please God. Never could. Because if, if we could, then why did Christ come? Because we could not. I can't please God without Christ. Say that. I can't please God without Christ. And I thank God that Christ is living in me. 
Because when I walk into heaven, guess who's walking in with me? Jesus. When he's looking for the seal of God in your life, who do you think the seal is? The word of God. The Christ in you. The hope of glory. Everybody say the hope of glory. Without, look at that, man. That, that's you and I walking in. Heads down. Knees are trembling, going down before the almighty God. Christ is looking for one thing. My seal. My anointed ones. My chosen ones. The ones I, I chose before the beginning of the earth. God chose you. God created you. God chose you. God ever knows every hair on your head. Before you were even born, he chose you to be a messenger of God. We leave this building today not realizing who we are. We are representations of Christ. We don't stand in our own strength. We don't stand in our own power. We stand the anointing of God. Paul said, brothers... Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly thing and the despised things and the things that are not so that no flesh may boast before him. Chose us nobodies so we can tell everybody about somebody isn't that awesome let's all stand there's my tree I told you I could draw good the natural branch and the wild olive branch I don't know about you but me and Brian we're probably pretty wild when we were young but when I stand before God I look just like a Jew from the tribe of Levi, from the tribe of Judah. Come on. If you need prayer today, I want to remind you that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is present. If you need a touch from the living God today, if, if you need a word from the living God today, Whatever it is you need, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. The Bible says many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him from them all. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shell of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, thou comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with you. The Lord is in me. The Lord is in you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Father, right now in the name of Christ, send forth the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this house today. Put a hedge of protection around your people as we walk forth. And, Lord, let us not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation for those who believe, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. For in Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. 
the righteousness of God is revealed. Hallelujah. Father, just touch the lights right now in the name of Christ. Let the anointing fall upon them now, Lord. Refire that fire inside their heart, Lord, if it's drawn cold. Lord, our world is in a time of turmoil right now, full of violence. People are being hating and hating one another over nothing. We have men who are called to protect us are out there hurting us, Lord. Come on, hallelujah. And so, Lord, we, we, need, we need the Spirit of God like never before in, in our law enforcement, in our government, in our churches, in our schools. We need Christ. We need the power of the living God today. We need you to move by the hand of the living God. We need to know today, God, that you are for us, Lord. We know by faith, Lord, but send forth those miracles, signs and wonders like never before. Even the miracles of the Old Testament, let them multiply today in the power of your servants. Oh, God, have your way in this world today. Forgive us where we, where we backslide. Forgive us where we fall short, oh, God. David said, have mercy on me, oh, God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me of all my sins. Create in me, oh, God, a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me and do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation, Lord. Hallelujah. Does the word of God move you today? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon us. He's, he's looking down from heaven for men who are seeking His face, His will, His word. You want to move by God? Get in the word. Turn off that filth on the television. Take a little time to get on your knees before God and say, God, we need you more than ever in America. Hallelujah! Father, we praise you. Lord, I don't ask for forgiveness for my, my fire today because Jeremiah said, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Let the anointing go with us today. We praise you. We thank you for new vehicles, Lord. You're even giving cars to, to people today that, that really financially cannot afford a car because you're good. Because you don't let the shoes wear out. I'm amazed that Emily Sebastian go get a new car. Brand new young married couple. God made a way. The way maker. And if we turn our back on God when he's done great things for us, shame on us. Shame on us acting like the world when we've been pulled out of the world. Shame on us if we live like the world when we're called to be ye separate, be the head and not to tell. Hallelujah. You guys have a great week. I love you and I thank God for you in Jesus' name. Y'all pray for Buddy as well. <laughs>